Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 25, New Positions in the C-Suite. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me looking at me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's wonderful to be here. Always a pleasure. And if this is your first time listening, the purpose of Growth Igniters Radio is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So, Pam, what are we talking about today? We're discussing how the C-suite is evolving as the business environment is changing so profoundly. Mm -hmm. As you'll recall from our conversation in episode 20, that Peter Gleason, the president of the National Association of Corporate Directors, was mentioning, there are a number of new C-suite positions that are becoming increasingly important in a variety of ways. And this is a trend that's increasing. Mm -hmm. That was the sense that we got. And it begs the question of what's driving this trend, what the positions look like, and how do we attract and select the best talent to fill these positions, especially if they never existed before. So that's why we're very happy to be speaking today with Jane Howes, Managing Director and Founder of the Alexander Group. Jane has more than 30 years experience in executive search and has recruited executives worldwide in banking, energy, not-for-profit, technology, manufacturing, legal, and professional services. A whole range of A industries. whole range. And this also, of course, includes C-suite positions. She also directs board searches for the firm and is actively involved in the firm's diversity practice. She's author of Best Practices for Executive Search Firms, for the Inside the Minds book series. So with that, welcome, Jane, to Growth Igniters Radio. Oh, good morning, Pam. Good morning, Scott. I'm delighted to be here. Good morning. Before we get to discussing the topic, we'd like to learn a little more about you. Can you briefly tell us what led you to become the founder of the Alexander Group? Absolutely. I am a former banker and a former lawyer, and uh, I was not particularly happy or very effective in either one of them, actually. And uh, I have always liked introducing people to each other. I mean, I, I, I think I've introduced seven of my friends to their uh, spouses over the last 30 years. And uh, one day I read an article in Fortune magazine about Corn Ferry, the largest search firm in the world, and it was like a light bulb went on, and I thought that was the firm I really wanted to join. And after working there a couple of years, I really wanted to take some of the things I loved about banking and law, which are long-term client relationships, to the search industry, and not that Corn Ferry didn't have that, but when you're a smaller firm, you can do a little bit more nurturing, you can take a little bit longer, have a little more personalized search experience. So I started the Alexander Group 
uh, 30 years ago with someone else from Corn Ferry and somebody from the search firm Russell Reynolds. And I think we're in our 32nd year now. Oh, congratulations on that. Now, the Alexander Group has many offices around the world, right? Yes. Well, we have offices in uh, Houston and New York, Salt Lake City, uh, San Francisco, San Diego, and the U.K. So it gives you a lot of perspective. It does. It it allows us to do work all over the world. We're doing quite a bit of work in um, uh, Europe and Australia and even Africa now. Okay. Now, we've been hearing a lot about this trend towards how more companies are creating new types of C-suite positions. So we've heard about chief information security officers, chief technology officers, and so on. What's driving this trend? Well, Scott, I want to kind of give a bigger picture view. Um, We have always have new titles. They have always evolved and What is behind it? Uh, I think as we're becoming more complex, there are different skill sets that are needed. But I think also you, you can look at it, these titles internally, and I think they're an issue of respect for somebody who brings certain talents to the table. But I think it's a signal to the outside world that this function is important to our company. And I think you're seeing different functions are important to different companies. For example, the title Chief Privacy Officer. You know, that might not be as important to a manufacturing company um, as it would be to a target or to your financial institution. Ah, okay. And I think it's important kind of to Think about what is the purpose and what are we trying to signal. Uh, mm-hmm. So that it's always been there, but I think you're reading about it now, so it's coming up and, and you're going, well, how do we recruit for this? There are different mm-hmm. skill sets. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and be a little bit uh, curmudgeonly and say <laughs> that there are some titles that seem just a little contrived to me that seem more um, ego-centered than really functional. But maybe that's more in the minority, but I just have to let my curmudgeon self kind of (laughs) grumble a little bit. Uh, But yes, in in all seriousness, there are titles now that you don't see, that you didn't see years ago. And what we saw happen was, you know, some of the first titles you, you started seeing in the late 90s was the title Chief Diversity Officer. Right. Um, True. Chief Compliance Officer. Yes. Um, chief Talent Officer. And, you know, those are pretty common now, and you don't really think about it, but back in the late 90s, early 2000s, those were big deals, big changes. And how did you find those kinds of people? So just to clarify also, because a lot of our listeners are in middle market companies, this is a trend that we've been starting to see in more middle market companies as well. Is that correct? I I think you're seeing it in medium-sized companies, but I think you are seeing it done a little more thoughtful because here is the thing to think about this, as, as I tell my clients when they're sometimes saying, well, we want somebody to do this and this, and they aren't. It's a new function. I say, okay, are you committed to this title for the long haul? 
because just mm-hmm. like it sends a message to the government, to the community, to the business world, when you create this this position, if you don't support this position, hire the right person for this position, and you give up on this position, that looks equally bad as well. Well, they used to have a chief privacy officer, but that didn't work out, and now they don't. So, That's so true. there's a lot of things I think. Uh, human resources and CEOs uh, and the senior management team need to do when they're creating these new positions. It requires a lot of thoughtfulness then. Yes, exactly. Where does the position report to and and what what's the career path for the position? Especially That's if you're recruiting somebody new. I mean, are we going to put this person in this role and that's where they'll be forever. What what you've got to craft a story, and how will this person grow, or you won't keep them. And the one thing I think you need for these new positions, maybe more than other positions, is you need some longevity. Longevity. In terms of you don't want someone coming, staying six months and going. Well, you know, I never got support for the position. Right. And I'll leave. You you know, I think it's really important for a new position that you have somebody who's going to be committed to the position. And that's why, to me, the search process for a new position is important when you're making a statement internally and externally that this, for us as a company, is important. That's true. And... We're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we'll speak more with Jane Howes about the expanding C-suite, more examples of these new positions, and what it takes to find this top talent. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 25, and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. Use hashtag growthigniters. This will help extend our reach to all of the people who can benefit from this series. Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are talking with Jane Howes, Managing Director and Founder of the Alexander Group, about the growing development of new positions in the C-suite. Jane, how can people find out more about you and the Alexander Group? Well, our website is www thealexandergroup.com, and we do quite a bit of writing. Uh, I think we have over 400 columns, articles, blogs, white papers that we've written about various trends in the industry, and they're all on our website. And other uh, wonderful videos as well, I might add. Exactly, exactly. We place a high degree of importance on communicating with our clients, and we've been very active in social media. That's great. So 
let's go back to our discussion on the C-suite. We've talked about how you came to being the founder of the Alexander Group and how you've been observing all of this growth in the C-level positions. What is the difference to you between a C-suite position and a vice president position? So, for example, if we have the chief information security officer, but we also have the vice president of information technology. I think what you need to do with all of these titles is go underneath the titles. So, to me, a lot of the newer positions that you're seeing coming up are narrower For example, Chief Information Security Officer might have been under the CIO, or Mm -hmm. it might have been part of the CIO's responsibility 10 years ago. Um, Similarly, let's look at um, another title we see coming up uh, is Chief Culture Officer. Well, what is that? That was probably something human resources did before. Mm -hmm. Um, They may still do it. Uh, it may still be under human resources even. But it, 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 there are a lot of these positions that are a little piece of a bigger puzzle. And uh, uh, you see that a lot, as you talked about on inform- information technology, uh, you know, the chief privacy officer. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, chief technology officer. Um, and where does it fit? And I think... You can't just look at the titles. You've got to look at who does the position report to, where do we want to put it in the organization, Mm -hmm. and what is the function. And then the third thing is what is the career path for that as as you plan these new positions. Mm -hmm. Now, in a company where the vice president was accountable for this responsibility, so it has to be something of an adjustment for everyone if that vice president is no longer accountable for what they had been accountable for. Yes, it is. It is. And, you know, uh, uh, here's another really interesting example. The compliance part of a company uh, used to be under legal, and it Mm -hmm. reported to the general counsel. It was not even called compliance. It might have been regulatory and now it's compliance and you know i usually tell my clients who are a lot of medium-sized companies who are introducing this new title and position you need to have the chief compliance officer report to the ceo Mm -hmm. Um, and so it does cause some internal issues especially if you're saying to the general counsel we're taking compliance out, and we think it's important enough that it needs to report to the to the um, CEO. And, you know, it's part of the evolution, I guess, of, of a company. But when I tell clients that are introducing new positions, those are some of the things I think you need to plan for is how will the positions work together, and, and, and which makes who you recruit to the new position that much more important. Mm-hmm. So this is much more than just inflating the title. This is really new responsibilities, new structures, and that's a challenge. Uh, as you're going out looking for people like this, Jane, What are some of the unique challenges of finding the right candidate for a whole new position that hasn't been there before? Well, you know, this is such a great question, Scott, because most 
recruiters when they're doing a search if you're looking for a CIO. Okay, well, let's go call other CIOs. It's pretty simple. We've mm-hmm. been doing this for decades. You look for people in similar positions. But what do you do when the position is new and there is only a very finite number of people who hold this title? Right. My answer to this is, again, get beneath the title. What is this person doing? And many times when a position is new, um, I'll go back to the chief diversity officer. Fifteen years ago, not that many companies had a chief diversity officer, and search firms were challenged, well, we need to find someone who will be over that. And you had to be a little bit creative and look at what is this person going to accomplish? What do you want them to do? And you may have two chief diversity officers, and they may have totally different goals. Uh, For example, one chief diversity officer was charged with creating a national campus recruiting uh, an internship to get diversity candidates in the pipeline from college. Another chief diversity officer was working with the board to add diversity there and working with the C-suite. So you have to look at the function rather than the title and be a little more creative. And maybe there are people who are leaders in the diversity community. You recruit for those positions that may not have that title. And in a way, that makes it a lot of fun for search firms because most of us really cut our teeth on being creative and trying to think outside the box. And these new positions certainly give us that opportunity to do so. So in essence, you have to tailor the position for the company, and you're really looking at skill sets and accountabilities and uh, not worrying about are there other people out there called that. Exactly. And there may be people who are called that who really aren't what your client is looking for. Okay, so the more that we focus on the function and the role, the more effective we'll be. Exactly. Identify not only what the person will do, but how he or she will be judged by what accomplishments and what the career path is for the person. Okay. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jane House about a few immediately useful ideas that you can incorporate into your planning to attract and select top talent for the C-suite. Stay with us. Is listening to Growth Igniter's radio providing you with new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas that you can use to take your company to its next level of success? Well, if so, imagine how much more you and your company could get from a highly customized in-person Growth Igniter's event as part of your next company offsite. Go to growthignitersradio.com, click contact us at the bottom of the page, and we'll get back to you to discuss how we might best help you achieve your most important goals. Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. 
Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking to Jane Howes, Managing Director and Founder of the Alexander Group, about the growing trend of new positions in the C-suite. Jane, can you tell us again how people can find out more about you and the Alexander Group? Absolutely, Pam. Our website is www.thealexandergroup.com. And we have a plethora of resources for discussions like this, as well as other discussions that uh, other companies are um, considering and facing. Great. Thanks. So now we're at the part of our discussion where we want to get down to some specifics. Let's talk about the actionable ideas that our listeners can immediately use. So in the case of the newly created C-suite positions, We've talked about the fact that these people are not a dime a dozen. You have to look beyond the surface. What kind of criteria should CEOs and boards use to evaluate candidates if they can't find someone with the exact experience? You know, one of the things that we're seeing for almost every position is you don't get to be any C-suite position unless you have good soft skills, good management skills, what we call in our business just good athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I would say and what I've counseled boards to look at is this is a new position. Um, not many companies have this position, but this is an important position to you. Let's break down the functions that are important. And maybe someone hasn't put together an entire privacy program before. But what have they done that are pieces of that that would lend you to believe that they will be successful in this role? Um, My general thought, and this goes for everything, is that executives have patterns, they have track records, and people repeat patterns. And I always look for people, even if it's a little stretch for them, if you find someone who has been successful at everything they have done and are good at reaching, that's a Mm -hmm. really good sign. Now, obviously, you don't want to hire somebody for a chief talent officer who who has no sense of how how do you uh, plan for talent. But at the same time, good athletes are good athletes. And, And I think that holds true in new positions. And I think that's kind of how you have to look at at candidates who don't check every single box because they're new boxes or a combination of skill sets. Sure, that makes sense. I would imagine also that the strategic orientation has to be very different. It almost gets away from a skill set in a sense, doesn't it? I mean, somebody who is really oriented towards the big picture as opposed to the tactics. So a chief is strategic. Right. Yeah. Well, and you're also asking someone to come in if it's a new C-suite position, and there are not many of them. You are asking someone to come in and be a visionary and see the potential of a position. And you're also asking people, by taking this position, they are giving a message internally to the other employees, but also externally, perhaps to the government, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps to the business community. So they've got to be able to articulate that vision of what they are going to build in that function. 
Jane, have you seen an optimal size for the C-suite? Is there a point where too much of a good thing is going on? I think, the yes, I think there is. Um, I, I think it was maybe Forbes a couple of years ago wrote an article calling it C-suite equals silly suite, you know, because there have been so many positions and so many names and and that there were so many that it almost diminished the importance of finally getting to a C-suite position. And mm-hmm. I think, again, the, the important thing is to look at what is this position going to do? Is it a long-term position? If it's a short-term position, do you really want it reporting into the C-suite? If it's just somebody to get you through um, a regulatory issue or something. And a lot of what we do is plan and strategize with our clients because I don't know the magic number. I think it depends on the company, the industry, the particular CEO type how many direct reports somebody should have, but you want to have enough time to mentor and spend time and have impact on your team. And if your team is 19, 20 direct reports, you just really can't do that. It's really hard. You deserve yourself and the people that are reporting to you because they will never get, they, they will not get enough of your time to have your stamp on them. And of course, creating a great executive fit, it goes both ways, right, Jane? How, how can companies make themselves irresistible to top talent for C-suite positions, whether they're new or old? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'll answer it because it's two different, it's partially two different answers. I think for the, uh, for the new positions, um, you've got to create a compelling story that we are committed to this function. We will provide resources for you to be successful in this function, and we will promote this function internally as well as externally. And then your classics, you know, C-suite positions, the CFO, the CIO, you know, the COO, those types of positions, it's pretty much the same thing. I think when candidates are looking at a company, they want to see uh, several things. A company that has a future, and I think the way you recruit a successful CFO, CIO, um, is you talk about the vision for the company and you talk about how they could have impact. Because I think at the end of the day, we all want to have impact. We all want to make a difference. And executives want to go someplace and make that company better in, by their contribution. And that has to be the internal message, and that has to be the external message. So just to sum it up, the more that uh, the top executives and the board, in this case, are looking at what do we really need in terms of planning for the C-suite, and at the same time looking at how can we engage people in that vision that we have for the company, then we're going to be irresistible to that tough talent for the C-suite positions. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, every company, you need a story of this is our narrative and this is how you fit in and this is how you make a difference. Okay. So any final thoughts on expanding and building a powerful C-suite? I think... 
a word of caution before you automatically create a title. Um, give some thought to what the title and what the function will look like two years down the road. Um, uh, give some thought to what the career path would be for that individual. And give some thought to um, where the position will report. And before you go outside, is I'm counterproductive here for myself, but is there somebody in-house that could assume this role and grow into it? Um, uh, but it's, a, it's something that needs to be planned quite carefully at the front end so it is a long-term uh, addition to the company's management team. Okay, well, those are all good thoughts. Jane, thank you so much for being our guest today on Growth Igniters Radio. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And to check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 25. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. What types of C-suite positions should we consider creating to respond to our changing business environment? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.